Hi there, I'm Tim from the Wellbeing Collective and we are here today with um, Sharon and Sarah and they both um, have had many years of experience of working in the helping professions and for our podcast today we're going to talk a little bit about well-being. What matters most in well-being? What are the most important things? And I'm just very mindful and aware that we are all um, going through a period in our lives where I think our well-being is probably far more under pressure and fragile than ever before. And I've certainly been aware over the last few weeks just how fragile I have felt at times, unexpectedly so. I think it's a very difficult time of year, but also we're all living under very restrictive conditions. And I've had a number of unexpected feelings and thoughts, and I'm just really curious to understand a little bit more about how we can improve our well-being. Here at the Wellbeing Collective, we're really focused around improving the lives of people we work with, improving services, particularly within the public sector, but also now more widely within the business sector. So I'll let um, um, Sarah and Sharon introduce themselves, say a little bit about themselves, and, um, and we're just going to have a conversation about, about well-being and our current thoughts and perspectives. So Sarah, say hello. Hello, um, I'm Sarah. And I also work for the collective, the Wellbeing Collective. And uh, I was, I worked in the, the NHS for probably over 35 years, recently retired. Um, and now I do work um, for the Wellbeing Collective, which is all about really, it says it on the tin really, it's all focused on wellbeing and all the different approaches that we can provide to other people to improve their sense of wellbeing. Thanks Sarah. Sharon? Hi, I'm Sharon. Obviously, I'm again associated with the Wellbeing Collective. And my background, I've worked in both health and social care settings, kind of responsible for fairly large teams of people. Um, and obviously, with that comes a lot of thinking about people's well-being and thinking about how teams can function and, and how individuals function. So um, I'm really pleased to be joined by you both. You've got such a huge amount of experience of working um, in the helping professions and particularly not just in terms of your work at the Wellbeing Collective but also in terms of supporting and helping vulnerable people um, and many people over the years to just have a better life and, um, and, and I know we're sort of all kind of maybe going through um, similar, similar kind of experiences um, um, but but I'm interested to know just over the years what's really kind of helped to um, help to shape your understanding about how to maintain your well-being based on your own experience. So what, what do you think is important to maintain well-being at this current time? So Sharon, um, do you have any particular thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, personally for myself, um, in terms of maintaining my own well-being, I think over the years I, I've got to know myself better. And I think that's really important in terms of working on your own well-being is actually knowing yourself and knowing what keeps you well and what, what kind of tends to um, cause you stress, etc. And thinking about how you deal with that. I think when you start to look at sort of teams and other individuals, well-being is so important in terms of not judging others I think there's something there about if you're trying to help other people is really not judging them and, and actually listening to them and thinking about what is important for them at the time and really focusing in on that um, and I think that's the same with teams as well. Mm. So when you talk about not judging others what specific do you have a specific um, sort of um, sense of what that may look like? Yeah I think you know having worked in sort of managing services for a long time 
it's really easy to kind of have a team, if you like, a team of people around you and everybody seems to be functioning. And then one person isn't functioning as mm -hmm. well or in your own mind, they're not functioning as well. And it's, it's quite easy to kind of fall into making a judgment about that and what's going on for that person and, and maybe even kind of having some kind of bias towards them in terms of not really listening to them. So I, I think there's, there's that kind of actually, you really need to listen to people and know, know them rather than just judge them. Yeah, Sarah, you you sort of have thoughts about well-being at the moment as well. I mean, you know, what absolutely what Sharon said, and I think I'd just like to throw in there as well, particularly in regards to lockdown and the pressures that people are facing within themselves, within teams they're working with, in family situations. I think it's very easy to put huge pressure on oneself. And I think sometimes it can it can be fraught with what we should be doing and what we ought to be doing. And I think certainly for individuals, you know, during times of great, great stress, I think it's really important to work out what it is that you want to, want to do, you know, what, what will help you as opposed to what you think should help you or what you mm. ought to be doing. And I was thinking about it this morning in terms of fitness, you know, fitness, fresh air <laughs> is always the one that everybody you know promotes up to yeah. yeah and and i was thinking this morning about the difference between going for a marathon run or going for a nice quiet walk in the woods and that actual fact that people can put huge pressure that they ought to be achieving huge amounts of exercise and fresh air whereby in actual fact it's those small things so that small walk you know in the park or just through the streets or into the woods depending where you live can have just as much value as the person who can do go and do you know two hours of keep fit at nine o'clock in the morning not <laughs> but certainly you know a gentle walk something that really does have an impact on you and I think something sometimes teasing out what is most beneficial to you as an individual is worth thinking about as opposed to buying into all the things that you think you should be doing or ought yeah. to be doing. Yeah, there's a whole sense, isn't there? I think well-being is a really interesting sort of construct because when you think of what Sharon was just saying about, you know, actually having a non-judging view is really important to enable um, people just to say, actually, I'm not feeling brilliant. But also on the other end, this expectation that it, in order to successfully do well-being, there's certain things that we should be doing. Um, it, it almost is, has this construct that we either don't speak about it or if we do speak about it, it has to be in sort of, sort of, um, um, a sense of achievement look at me look I'm doing I'm dealing with my well-being I mean do you do you both get that sense that sometimes we construct well-being into being something that is a little bit overly kind of polished yeah I mean I I, I think um quite often you know I'm, I'm just thinking about all the sort of programs etc that we run with people and we talk about well-being and there is this sort of you know, the, the successful person, the, the, the leader that copes with everything or the individual that copes with everything and, and sort of doesn't show um, when they may be struggling a bit is the sort of person that everybody's striving to be. And actually that's, that's kind of not real life in many ways. So there's something around well-being is about having your own space and acknowledging yourself at different times of the day, at different times of the week um, and at different times of your life stages in terms of what you need at that time. Yeah, I'd like to add that. I think, you know, if we look at it, you know, those, those three groups, you know, as individuals or teams or as a service as a whole, 
that it, it, it's it's a time to be noticing oneself and how one feels and one's reacting to things, but also to notice others around you. Yeah. Just picking up on what you said, Sharon, you know, the people who appear to be okay, appear to be very resilient, um, they're busy, they're functioning, they still warrant the question of, are you okay? Because we all present very differently when we're not okay. So to me, it's about, you know, what do we have to do with our communication? What, how do the conversations need to change? What do we need to be asking differently now to really check in about how people are functioning? Yeah, there's something about vulnerability, isn't there? Mm. Because I think a lot of, we have a, a maybe a, a work culture, a leadership culture that basically says it's, that makes it sometimes a bit more difficult to be vulnerable now. Um, maybe that's my perception. I don't know. Um, ha, ha, so, so you're you're saying, Sarah, that sometimes we have we have to now ask the questions. Definitely. I mean, I, I've been fortunate with the well-being that I've I've had the opportunity to work with teams, you know, through through the lockdown, through through the COVID experience. And the one thing that has has become so apparent is that when the when when times have become so difficult and so demanding and so pressured. Um, that the thing that gets forgotten is asking asking somebody how are you how's it going how are you feeling um and it's almost as though the most obvious thing that maybe we didn't really need to think about quite so much as we do today is the most important thing that needs to be asked and certainly the teams that i've worked with you know through workshops or individual coaching the moment the question is asked how are you or what do you think you might need at the moment? It it the, the floodgates just open, and you know people want to talk about it. And I think it's just consciously making a decision to ask questions that maybe aren't quite as usual. They're not the normal sorts of questions that we ask, and giving ourselves permission individually and as a team to actually to have that opportunity, but also more importantly to create a forum which isn't subsumed by all the other agenda items that, you know, everyone's used to that language, but has a different agenda, which is about the individual mm-hmm. and about maybe us as a team. And it's really interesting, Sarah, that you kind of refer to that because I kind of reflect back to some of the work I've done in the past and the teams I've worked with. And it was really interesting how teams quite often measure themselves by their achievements um, you know, I'm thinking in particular of a team I worked with in, in an inpatient service and that they were fab, absolutely fantastic. And they spent so much time sort of talking about their patients, talking about the objectives and goals that they were setting with their patients. Um, but actually, when you sat them down and said, well, actually, let, let's talk about how you are. And also let's talk about how you work together and, and how you experience things. Oh, did they struggle? And, and it was kind of such a new concept and trying to really sort of work out how they related to each other and therefore how they could make take a next step in their, their sort of lives was, was really interesting. Mm. One of the things that they, they actually came out with in the end is actually creating their own mindfulness sessions for staff. Mm. So actually they were creating space and, and time and that was given as much importance as actually talking about, you know, what we achieved with patient X today, et cetera. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because particularly in the NHS at the moment, they are, 
understandably very focused on delivering uh, and uh, um, supporting people in their care on a day-to-day basis but you do wonder you know how many conversations are going on that just enables the team just to stop and think about what they they need to look after themselves really and and any of the helping professions and key workers i was um i was in um in tesco the other day um other supermarkets are available i have to say <laughs> but i was in a supermarket the other day and i just noticed all of the shielding um around the the till and and just how enclosed the person was and I did I just thought to myself in that moment as I was going through the till I said hello and kind of just had a little bit of a just a a conversation I thought I wonder how how you're doing you know I just I wonder how you're doing behind all of that enclosed stuff every day how you must feel Um, I wonder whether somebody's really acknowledging how hard you're working like everybody else sat on these tills You, you, you know do you know what I mean that sort of sense of I wonder whether anybody's asking you the question. I think it's really interesting, isn't it? And also thinking about what those people are having to deal with that isn't just about COVID, but it's about other people's reactions to COVID. Mm -hmm. You've got the customers coming through who maybe don't want to worry about personal space or want everything to be quicker and obviously things have slowed down. So they're not only having to deal with a sort of their their own vulnerability, but actually the emotions and behaviours of others. Mm. every day every day yeah I think, you know that everything is about disconnecting you know all the rules and regulations are about disconnecting um you know the barriers the physical barriers the not seeing people and i think you know when again when i've talked to teams you know who, who are involved with delivering services or they're having to manage their services in the isolation of their own homes you know working from home there is this tremendous sense of disconnect and I think it's something that people have to be reminded to remember to what, what can we now do differently to connect in very difficult circumstances. So, for example, when I've had groups of people in a, in a, in a workshop by Zoom, you know, I mean, it's fairly disconnected um, and you've got 12 people um, who for the first time during the, the lockdown once those barriers, as you said, Sharon, once that barrier and that fear of talking about yourself, um, once that starts, um, the sense of fulfillment and reconnection that I can watch, physically watch happening in front of me during these workshops is quite extraordinary. Mm. And I had a team the other day who, at the end of a four-hour session, um, gave their team a new name. They gave it a, they gave it a, a name that has emerged through COVID. Team now, they call them. Team now, yeah. yeah. And it was just wonderful to watch. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of moved them through that process to a, a, a psychologically safer place, but you almost gave them permission to connect in a different way. That sounds like an important task at the moment. And I and I gave, and, and you know, having reflected on it and had supervision around this, you know, I have realised two key things that I was able to facilitate or enable to happen, and that was A, um, for them to start asking different questions of each other and also be to have conversations actually physically with each other about themselves. So and right. those two things created a sense of feeling connected and almost reunited. And from that, um, the mood changed. You know, mm. there was a sense of uh, a little bit, the reality hasn't changed, but their view and their perception of what that reality was of hope, of not feeling on their own, 
feeling supported, somewhere to go to. You know, it was it's just about talking, isn't it? Mm. so i was just i was just going to say before you finished you know it, it sounds like what you're describing is is a absolutely overt conversation rather than just an implicit understanding that somebody's okay and arguably that's needed all the time but particularly now and something also about creating creating an environment where people can just connect with with other people in a different way from just the standard how are we doing on delivering our service or on meeting um, the needs of the people that we're working with so how would you you know um you know how would you say that's not going to be the same in every team some people aren't going to do that and i'm just conscious you know how can people at the moment just get in touch with their own sort of you know needs and seek support at the moment sharon what do you think it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because we, we can sit here and think of, of many ways that um, we can offer support to people, we can offer space to people, um, we can ask them different questions, etc. But there's something there for me in terms of people still having to be ready and prepared to do that. So any sort of any group of individuals are all going to be at different sort of parts or, or, along that journey. Um, and, and I suppose I'm just thinking about those people who who really don't want to go to that place, don't want to kind of look at themselves, don't want to think about, actually, I might need some support at the moment. And I guess that's that's the people that I worry about. And I think, how do we, and I'm kind of asking you both a question, I suppose, here, how do we kind of, you know, we can set the, the environment for those people to kind of be able to open up. But I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, how do we really get them to be able to do it? Yeah, I've just, I've just drawn back to your first comment, Sharon, which was about not judging, creating a, 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 an environment where people don't feel stigmatised or judged. Because not that that automatically makes people open up, because some people are far more private, perhaps, and far more um, maybe... Um, introverted in terms of how they view things but but actually if people don't feel judged if they feel it's okay that, to be vulnerable then then maybe that would enable people just to say actually I'm not feeling brilliant at all I, I'm not quite sure how I'm feeling but I'm not feeling great and it's really interesting isn't it because we we may make assumptions about those people as well because actually they may have a great different arena where they they do seek support I, I don't think we can assume they do but we also can't assume that they don't no. And I think there's something in there around leadership, you know, for people who are maybe leading a team, however large, leading a service, leading an organisation, it doesn't really matter. And I think, you know, through leadership, you can set that tone of, you know, this is how we do it here. You know, this is this is an environment where it is OK to say, you know, it is OK not to be OK. You know, there will be no judgment. You know, setting that tone, setting that, um, like I've just said, you know, this is the way we do it. And I think that's a challenge for leaders to to may, maybe make that more obvious at this time. So but, and I, I agree, you know, there, there are always going to be people who who won't share, but that doesn't mean that they don't gain things from hearing other people share. You know, if you're hearing other people are feeling the same way, that can carry quite a, that's quite a powerful thing, isn't it? So is, is, is what you're saying then, Sarah, that actually to create the tone at the moment, you actually almost as a leader need to be, you know, set, really speaking it out and, and exposing that sort of kind of 
um, vocalizing the, 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 the need to just be open and the need to just share how you're feeling and what, you, what you're going through, even if, even if perhaps um, it may feel uncomfortable. I mean, in a sense, it's, you know, leadership has many, many components, as, as we all know. And, um, you know, that there are different times in, in different periods where certain elements of leadership need to be more prevalent. And maybe, you know, when we think about authentic leadership, you know, showing vulnerability, um, demonstrating that, you know, one can feel vulnerable, but, you know, things still keep going and it's, and it's OK, can be a great role model and, and can invite I think people who are within a team, um, it can give them that sense of confidence and that sense of feeling that they're not going to be judged, feeling that it is okay to admit, maybe I'm not okay today, but that isn't any indication on performance or outcomes and all those sort of hardcore things that, that we have to deliver within a service. Yeah, I, I, as you were talking about it, Sarah, I was just mindful of, you know, how we do um, TA drivers, you know, how we look at our own, the things that drive us, um, and it's based on transactional analysis theory. I'm sure at some point we could do a podcast on that as well. But I have a be perfect driver. And for a leader, that can be problematic because we have to be vulnerable, you know, to, to, to be vulnerable. We have to sometimes, I have to sometimes overcome that need to be perfect and to put across an image that I'm okay, thank you. You know, I'm really holding this together. And, and that's a really interesting point because it, it brings me back to um, and makes me reflect on um, a session that I was running when senior leaders were coming in and talking to groups of staff. And that kind of being perfect bit, which I, I guess the person, the senior leader who was there, I think probably a lot of the staff would have been quite intimidated until they, they had that sort of conversation with, with them. And, and how they kind of really quite nicely overcame that be perfect was kind of sharing their vulnerability, but also talking about what they do when they're feeling vulnerable. So they were just talking about they'd had a really bad day at work. And, and you know, so they admitted they'd had a bad day. They sort of said, I was feeling whatever they were feeling at the time. But they then very quickly sort of said, and I know how I deal with that, is, is you know, they, they actually said, right, I'm, I'm going home early. I'm going home on time today. I'm going home half an hour early. I'm taking mm. time for myself. So it, it kind of, I think left people with some ideas it shared a bit of their vulnerability but it didn't just leave it there if that makes sense yeah it's can almost... I add, actually because um, I, I can remember a situation Sharon when I was um pretty new to the world being collective and I co-facilitated with you and I watched that exact scenario you've just described so I had the opportunity to actually look at the faces of the people listening to the leader very senior leader talking about exactly what you've just described and the one thing that struck me most was the respect so to all those leaders out there you know when when one shows vulnerability and honesty and integrity that um greater respect can emerge and it was it was very very powerful thing to watch yeah I, i've seen it uh, and uh, at plenty of different kind of events that we've run where leaders just stand up and you think oh my goodness they are 
far more vulnerable than I would have imagined them to be, but they really carry with that a, a real sense of connectedness with the people they're working with and they've got the attention and they've got this workforce that actually feel that they can be honest about how they feel. And yeah, it's, it's a very different type of atmosphere. As a leader myself in the past, one of the things I've consistently had to overcome also as a leader is not to judge myself when I'm not feeling brilliant as well because whilst I whilst I I can sometimes get over if somebody judges me you know that be perfect sometimes I judge myself mm-hmm. and I just want to add actually um in some of the sessions I've been running recently when when, when teams are starting to to come up with okay well what, what what could we do differently that will will help us cope better or meet the needs of ourselves and others and you know coming up with really practical things because sometimes support can come from a peer to peer sometimes it can come from a a leader to you know someone that is a direct report you know it can come in many forms but the one word that seems to be emerging quite frequently is is the word buddy and that that sense of finding someone that you can check in with or you can have that vulnerable moment with um which may well be more more appropriate for people who want to keep their feelings more closely to themselves you know, there's many shapes and forms it can take within a, within a team or a service. Uh, I love I love that. Sorry, I, I said I was just reflecting while Sarah was talking about that, and I was thinking about the sort of the support that um, some of some staff out there who may not have a status a high status within an organisation, but actually the support that they do offer to people in the space. I, you know, I, I can just reflect back on one time when I was having a really nightmare time at work. And my secretary had kind of put a call through to me. I think she heard the crack in my voice at the time. And, you know, the next minute, a cup of tea shoved through the door to me and, and just, you know, no, no sort of not coming in or anything, but the cup of tea arrives and you get that bit of space. And, and I think, you know, we have to recognise that all of our staff are, or all the people out there are able to support each other. It's not just a top down or even a peer to peer thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, And actually, do you know what? I'm just reminded as you're saying that, Sharon, that some of the best support I've ever had is from people that actually aren't above me in the hierarchy. They are around me. And sometimes they are people that would traditionally be seen as, you know, as sort of um, low paid staff, maybe people who are working in ancillary services who actually contribute such a huge amount to the lifeblood of a team, but also a are just fantastic um, sources of support. I remember many years ago, I was working as a manager on a ward and um, and I, I honestly, the ups and downs of, of the day, you know, with, with people that I was caring for and the team and the complexities. And, um, and I remember, um, you know, other times I was feeling most vulnerable, I'd often go and have a little natter with our domestic, <laughs> just, just because I knew that she would ground me in a certain way. She'd have a bit of a conversation and she would sort of make me sort of put things into perspective a bit in, in, a, in a, just her conversation. She was very much into just, just, you know, telling me it'd be okay. And that actually the problem of today won't be the problem of tomorrow. And she had this huge wisdom about her. You know, she was mopping the floor, but giving me pearls of wisdom. And I just remember that. And so it can come from any source. And that reminds me of the programs that Sarah and I run. And quite often when we're talking about emotional intelligence, you know, and, and that's not something that just because you happen to be senior, you've got high emotional intelligence. It's it's varied throughout our whole workforce out there. 
yeah yeah and you see it don't you just trickle through in conversation so it can be found anywhere so we're sort of just kind of reflecting on well-being and the and the and what's important at the moment so just as we're kind of rounding up our conversation based on your reflections what would be your top tips that you'd want to give to others at the moment I suppose my first one would be be kind to yourself and be kind to others actually allow yourself space and time and, and tell yourself it's okay at the moment that I'm feeling this way and it doesn't have to mean that I'll be feeling that way tomorrow but actually just admitting it to self to start with can be a way to to then go and have a conversation and reconnect with people or seek seek um, support from others yeah yeah that's a lovely top tip kindness Sarah yeah well I'm gonna I'm gonna um absolutely what Sharon said and I, I think I just add to that that usually the person who is the most grumpiest and the most intolerant and the most apparently disconnected is probably the person who probably needs that conversation most of all and I think it's it's maybe this is a, the best time of all to consider that maybe that grumpiness and disconnection has got nothing to do with anything going on around them. It's everything to do with what's going on inside of them. And I think this is a great opportunity for all of us to face that one and not mm. take it personally. Um, and the second one is something I used yesterday, actually, when we were talking as a, as a collective within the wellbeing collective, which is um, a saying that I haven't used for a while, but I've used recently, which is when eating an elephant, take one bite at a time. And, you know, sim we were talking uh, yesterday about things feeling too enormous or too overwhelming and that this is a really good time to just take small steps take small chunks out of whether those are tasks or activities or things that you need to achieve and just slow it right down and keep it small and take all those little steps because eventually yeah. you will then achieve the whole yeah, that's it. Not to look at the enormity, but to very much focus on the now and what people need in the now. As you were talking, um, I, I thought, well, what would be my top tip? Um, and actually, I was just very minded to the fact that actually, wherever people work, they need to take the temperature of people around, of, of their team and of the people around them. And um, our principles, as you know, the way we work is we, we, we say that, you know, some people have feelings that we can't see, but they will often have behaviours that we can see and feelings of course run much deeper don't they um, and sometimes are hidden like in that ice in the iceberg model we only see a little bit so take the temperature of the team or the people around you and make sure that you are absolutely having a conversation about how people are particularly if you're noticing behaviors that actually are slightly inconsistent with the way somebody may normally be um, that's really important and I suppose the other thing that I was just thinking of is actually that conversation just makes all of the difference. I feel better just for having this conversation, strangely enough. I don't know about you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you both. Um, and um, and I, you know, we I hope I hope this will be helpful to anybody that's listening today. And just a few little nuggets of wisdom or some insights or thoughts about maintaining your well-being, but most of all what we'd like to say is just keep talking to other people be yourself and um, and and be vulnerable and when you're vulnerable I'm you know I know that it creates wonderful opportunities for people to help support you and for you to support others thank you